0: This is the president of the United States, and he literally mentions Tom Brady's name more than his wife, I think.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the Edge of Sports podcast. I'm Dave Zirin. This week's show is dedicated to Muhammad Ali, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Ibtihaj Muhammad, Zinedine Zidane, and every Muslim athlete out there, whether born in the United States or abroad. There is an attack going on, and it's real. And we would do well to remember the people we have cheered for on the field of play and the fact that the collective punishment represented by Trump's Muslim ban is racism, pure and simple. We would do well to remember the rising number of hate crimes as catalogued by the Southern Poverty Law Center and the attack on the mosque in Quebec City that's left six people dead. And we would do well to remember that this is a time in sports where people better figure out what side of history they want to be on. And that gets to the first part of this show. On Friday, I jumped into the snake pit with a couple of proud bigot sports radio hosts on Boston's WEEI. Their n- names are Kirk and Callahan. They were enraged about a column that I wrote about Tom Brady's friendship with Donald Trump. And I went on their show to discuss it with them, and that was a mistake. Because there's no dialogue to be had with people who think that Muslims lie about the attacks they face and that the wall on the border is just a peachy keen idea. I also did not know before agreeing to go on that they had been suspended for sexist and racist vitriol in the past. If I had, I wouldn't have done it. Lesson learned. Use your Googles. But I am going to read the column I wrote that made them so incensed. And then bring on Melissa Jacobs, the NFL editor for SI.com, who published a similar column to the one I did. And typical for Melissa Jacobs, she published it the day before me because she's always slightly ahead of the curve while the rest of us are standing behind. So let me read you mine first, and then we'll bring on Melissa Jacobs to discuss. It was called, Yes, Tom Brady, Your Friendship with Donald Trump Matters. So Tom Brady, the breathlessly confident, all-world New England Patriots quarterback, was speaking in an unfamiliar tone on WEEI radio about a week ago last Monday. He was whining. Fresh off another stellar AFC Championship performance and headed to his record seventh Super Bowl, the great Brady was flummoxed by the idea that some in the media have been pressing him over his very public friendship with Donald Trump. On the radio show, Kirk and Callahan, two hosts who are open racists and bigots, a place where, disturbingly, Tom Brady feels very comfortable, he said, Why does that make such a big deal? I don't understand that. I don't want to get into it, but it's just, if you know someone, it doesn't mean you agree with everything they say or do, right? Tom Brady does not understand. If the insistence of his wife Giselle Buncheon that she would never vote for Trump has not gotten through to him, if the hashtag not my football team in reference to the close ties among Patriots owner Bob Kraft, head coach Bill Belichick, Brady, and Trump confuses him, then maybe we should try to make it plain. Why is this mutual man crush an issue? First and foremost, Trump used his friendship with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in the final days before the election, publicly touting their endorsements. He even read a letter from Belichick at a closing night campaign rally in New Hampshire. Whether or not Donald Trump had permission to do these things, I have it on good authority that he did not, doesn't change the fact that Brady and Belichick were not bystanders to this election, but actors within it. That has not changed. At a pre-inauguration dinner after thanking his family, Trump turned to Bob Kraft and said, Your friend Tom just called. He feels good. He called to congratulate us. He feels good. He feels good. On Monday, there was Trump flat Kellyanne Conway saying, President Trump is just so grateful that friends like Tom Brady are loyal and can ignore the shrapnel. End quote. She also thanked Kraft, someone who knows something about getting played by Vladimir Putin, who once stole Bob Kraft's Super Bowl ring right in front of him, while Kraft stood there with his pants around his ankles. Now, Trump uses these relationships as a tool of legitimization. Other celebrities Trump has spent a lifetime stalking have turned their backs on him. Prominent athletes and coaches are treating him like a punchline. But Trump still has Tom Brady in his back pocket, and he will use that in the days ahead. Meanwhile, Tom Brady owes his fame and fortune to the NFL, a $13 billion a year business built on a foundation of black labor. 70% of the league is African-American, and on the Patriots, that number is 67%. That reality coexists with the stubborn fact that Donald Trump is a racist. This is not an opinion or alternative fact. This is reality. When you sign a Muslim ban, when you refer to Mexicans as rapists, when you are sued for housing discrimination, when Nazis celebrate your election, when two of your lead advisors have open sympathies with white supremacist ideology, then you're a racist. But Tom Brady doesn't seem to care. Maybe he could speak to teammates Martellus Bennett and Devin McCourty, who raised their fists during the anthem this year, as a statement for racial justice. Maybe he could speak to his white teammate Chris Long, who said in September, I play in a league that's 70% black, and my peers, guys I come to work with... If they identify something that they think is putting their reputations on the line, creating controversy, I'm going to listen to those guys, end quote. Maybe Tom Brady could do some listening as well. Then there's the fact that, according to one study, women make up 45% of the NFL fan base. Maybe Tom missed it while sleeping in his hyperbaric chamber in his newly produced high-tech pajamas, but a couple Saturdays ago, millions of women across the country rose up against this president. In the Patriots' hometown of Boston, they had their third mass demonstration against Trump in the last seven days. One of the great motivators of this resistance is Trump's commitment to roll back women's reproductive rights and his reputation as a sexual predator. If Tom Brady wants to count this guy as a friend, that's his business. If Tom Brady thinks he is exempt from criticism for doing so, he is wrong. The most successful quarterback in the NFL is being willingly used to deodorize an agenda animated by division and hatred. If Tom Brady doesn't think that matters to people, then he needs to get a clue. One of my favorite football writers is Melissa Jacobs, the NFL editor for SI.com. A former producer at ESPN and one of the founding contributors to ESPNW, she founded thefootballgirl.com in 2009 and joined SI in 2015. And as I said before, she published the day before I did a column that was called Why Tom Brady's Friendship with Donald Trump is the Public's Business. And now we've got Melissa on the line. So Melissa, why do you think Tom Brady's friendship with Donald Trump is the Public's Business?
0: Well, first of all, thanks for having me. You know, I start with sort of a simplistic view of it, which is: this is the president of the United States, and he literally mentions Tom Brady's name more than his wife. I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're I mean, right? He, actually,
0: he, uh, seriously. No, that's true. And it's like, here's my one friend. You know, we you've talked about it. You know, we've both written about it. I mean, he's he's used Brady as a prop, and therefore the connection makes it our business. Um, the fact that. Brady has been so vague about it um, and hasn't just come out and said, you know, I support a a fascist. I voted for him. I didn't vote for him. I believe these views. I don't believe these views. I mean, he's just been so cryptic about it. So therefore, you know, you're going to have inherent curiosity about the connection.
1: So what kind of feedback did you get from the Patriots (laughs) crowd for your column? (laughs) Because for me, it's just been a week of sunshine, joy and kittens. Oh, yeah. I mean, what I found interesting was how many people told me they weren't Trump people, but I should still use my head as a rectal thermometer regardless. (laughs) And I wanted to ask you, like, how much of that rage do you think comes from Deflategate and this posture of we must defend Tom at all costs?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's honestly, I think it's kept the fan base going. I think it's like their heartbeat because they've, you know, they've been winning for 15 years now. So they need something to, to keep them going. I mean, it gets like, you know, I'm from San Francisco. I can tell you it gets old after a while. I mean, it's great, but you know, you need, you need some new layer of, of adrenaline and they clearly have it. You know, unfortunately it's more of a negative hate thing, but they definitely have it with both of these streams now.
1: God, it's like we're all Michael Jordan now, just looking for <laughs> negative reasons to feel motivated on a day in, day out basis.
0: <laughs> Seriously. I mean, you know, I got a lot of that too. You know, I, I I was a Hillary voter, but this is, you know, you've crossed the line. And I mean, there's just there's just certain people that truly believe that The compartmentalization is something that should happen in modern America, and we've seen so much evolution on that front that, you know, there's just like, I don't know if it's a generational thing or a demographic thing, but there's definitely a split
1: there. Now, one of the feedbacks I got from the Boston people who weren't just frothing and cursing at me was uh, that... I should leave Tom alone because you know, they're using their own context and they immediately say he's not Kurt Schilling, a person who they all seem to be uniformly embarrassed about right now. They've said to me also he's not even Peyton Manning who just spoke at the Republican retreat. And I wanted to ask you as somebody who you know, writes at SI and is of this business, when you think about Tom Brady, do you think he's being coy with all this crypticness or do you think he's just in this incredible bubble?
0: I think he might be in a bubble. It's it's hard to say. It's like I think he's in a bubble because I, I actually I listened to his interview again with with our favorite people at WEI this morning, and I think he said you know he said something that was I certainly don't intend on talking about politics or political matters. I mean he kind of I read another column. um, I think it was maybe last year that just said he didn't. Like, he basically didn't care about politics. Mm. So I, I kind of think. I, I mean, I don't know much. I, I know there was a Daily Beast report about his relationship with Trump, and it seems like it was more driven by him being a judge and Miss USA, and then their whole golfing relationship or whatever. So it it seems like a relationship where probably for the most part politics has been swept aside. Um, I mean, I don't know how, you know, it's not like Trump had been very politically active until a couple of years ago. And so I don't, I don't know. But then at the same time, you know, Giselle, when when they were under fire during the election, when everyone presumed that they had voted for Trump, because Trump went out and said that, Giselle understood the ramification. So I, I kind of think that maybe he does, but he's kind of portraying this image of I'm in a bubble because that just meets his sort of, you know, clean, I am my own brand uh, thing that he has going on.
1: So Melissa, of all the feedback you got from Patriots Nation, was any of it interesting or well-reasoned or was it all sludge? And I'm only asking because I even got some feedback from folks who listen to this podcast who uh, read the column and they're Patriots Mm -hmm. fans. And it was interesting. Like They had the whole, whoa, 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 you went too far with this one. Tom Brady's not a political guy. Let him be whoever he wants to be friends with, what have you. Uh, Did you get anything that gave you pause about the column you wrote or did it all kind of reinforce for you the importance of raising these questions?
0: I felt good about the column. I will say I had a family member who pointed out one word that I used um, when I was talking about Brady's Make America Great hat in his locker in 2015. And I think I I said something, that was a period where everybody was mocking Trump. I didn't really make the column political. I mean, I I think my political views are pretty out there if you follow me on on Twitter Mm -hmm. or anything. But, you know, that that relative thought that that disclosed my political views a bit. So I I kind of felt like, okay, maybe I should have massaged that word, but that totally wasn't the point of the column whatsoever. And I think, I mean, I fact, alternative fact, whatever. I mean, he was in early 2015, a largely mocked figure who he himself did not believe, I think at that point had a legitimate shot at becoming POTUS. So I don't, you know, I didn't lose sleep over it.
1: I know you were at the women's march in DC. Uh, I think I joked with you. It's like, oh, I thought I saw you because obviously I <laughs> yeah. didn't see anybody.
0: the One in the pink hat.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I I did want to ask you what what your experiences were at the women's march. Uh, did you see Did you see people you knew? Did what Did you go there with a group? I mean, how, what what was the value of it for you? Um.
0: So I took my five year old son. Actually. We drove there, so we we talked a lot about what was happening. I mean, I don't think he obviously understands the intricacies like we do, but I just... I don't know. I thought it would just be a good experience for him. I wanted to go. Um, I had plans to meet up with several friends of mine that were in town and that wound up happening much, much later at night. I mean, I've heard that
1: story from so many people.
0: Yeah. I mean, phones weren't working. I mean, it was just virtually impossible. I was part of the crowd that like didn't actually march because I didn't know which way anyone was going. I mean, it it was total gridlock. It was phenomenal. It was such an inspirational experience. And I think my son got a lot out of it. I mean, people were just so I I think I tweeted something like anyone wearing a pussy hat, you know, signals you're the nicest person in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, People were just so friendly and open. And, you know, they wanted to read his sign that said, be nice to girls, Donald Trump. And he was reading, you know, we were kind of explaining what some of the signs meant. Not, not the picture of, you know, women's anatomy, but the other um, ones. Um, and yeah, it was just like this really amazing, joyous. Um, I, got I got to hear most of the speakers. Michael Moore was wearing a 49ers hat that day. Um, so my son was like very intrigued by Michael Moore in particular. Subtle,
1: Michael, very subtle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would I would go brave the crowds. I'd be smushed on the Metro. I'd do it all again.
1: Fantastic. Now, I, I did want to ask you, you know, you have some experience in NFL locker rooms and players, and we know that the Patriots are not a homogeneous organization. People like Martellus Bennett, Devin McCourty raising their fists during the anthem earlier this year, uh, Belichick supporting Trump, Bob Kraft, big bundler for Trump. How do you think that plays in the locker room, if at all?
0: It's weird because it's, it's Tom Brady. It's the you know it's the cream of the crap that are publicly have supported or are good friends with Trump. So I wonder if there's a split. I mean, is or, or Devin McCourty is is he having conversation with Robert Kraft? Is I mean, you would hope that Martellus Bennett's hanging out with Tom Brady, but. You know, I've seen that situation before. I mean, Brady has notoriously kind of had his favorites, like you know, Wes Welker, and that's who he's hanging out with during you know his suspension and whatnot. I mean, I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that it's a racial split. I don't think that's a fair um, assessment to make. I don't think that's factual, but I could see it being compartmentalized in the locker room. I mean, I don't cover the Patriots, so I don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, I haven't spent time in their locker room. I mean, it's it's just a weird locker room to begin with. And Brady, you know, I, I, I did do a piece once um, on some of Brady's old receivers, and it, there definitely was a common thread of, you know, Brady's early in and early out, but he kind of keeps to himself, and he comes and talks to you when he needs to tell you something, but there's not a lot of, you know, oh, we're playing cards and shooting the shit over, you know, what's <laughs> happening in the world or any of that. So I I, I could see those just being two totally different worlds.
1: Mm-hmm. So we, we do know for all the folks who want to say that the Patriots and Brady and Belichick and Kraft, that they have nothing to do with Trump or that these things should be compartmentalized. We know that if the Patriots win, I mean, my God, Donald Trump will not be able to resist lording this over the country. Big event at the White House. Like he couldn't resist that if he tried. I mean, it would be like a scene in train spotting. Um, and I think. For the sports fan who has, say, no dog in this fight, like, I I know it's very dicey to choose your teams based on the political affiliations of upper management, you know, because you'll find yourself tied in the knots. But at this particular moment in 2017, I think for the sports fan who has no dog in this fight, and we all know that the Super Bowl is like a national holiday and everybody watches, even if they don't care about the teams involved, I think that should matter in terms of who people put their energy towards this weekend, especially when you consider that if the Falcons win, the the parade will be through John Lewis's district, who's been so disrespected by Donald Trump. Do you think that's a fair thing to say, that it, that it should not matter who wins politically? Or do you think I'm overstating it a little bit?
0: I don't think you're overstating. I mean, I think it will matter. So it doesn't even really matter if it should matter, because it will. Yeah. I mean, I,
1: it's a great way to you, put it.
0: Yeah, did you get, um, I guess one of the uh, common themes from my column on the positive end was people saying, gosh, I didn't really even realize this and uh, now I'm rooting for Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Um, Oh, yeah.
1: Did you get some of that? Oh, oh, yeah, definitely. Overwhelmingly. That was, if I was categorizing the response, sometimes it feels like, you know, one awful thing someone sends you counts as much as 10 nice things that people send you because it has more of a psychological impact when someone... (laughs) personally insults you, but overwhelmingly the response I got was, wow, I didn't know that about Tom Brady. Screw that. I'm not rooting for that team.
0: Mm-hmm. Completely. I, I don't think I got the uh, overwhelming positive comments, but I, I agree with you. I mean, look you know, I think about Colin Kaepernick. I Probably the only time I've ever been more trolled for a column than this one was when I wrote really early on that Colin Kaepernick protesting was not disrespecting the military. And I mean, I got...
1: Yeah. You were early on that, Melissa. I,
0: I was pretty early on that one. I mean, I, I felt, I don't write columns and you know, I feel something right. And then I just kind of get it out real quick uh, before I can overthink it. And I mean, I got so many emails, like I'm never watching you know, the NFL. Like I hope he gets murdered. I mean, you, you know, a lot of, a, a lot of it, and I'm sure you, you saw this throughout the course of the year. People said they're turning off TV yep. and, and, you know, and they associated with that with the NFL's declining ratings. So that's obviously an entirely different sect of people, I guess we don't affiliated with the military that hold certain political views, but you're certainly going to feel some of that or it will happen if the Patriots win in the optics of, of those, you know, that team at, at the white house. And, and I'm really, you know, one of the, I'm not going to, to media night, um, this year, I'm getting into Houston. I'm um, on Tuesday, but I'm, I'm going to be curious to see how many, uh, players, we we have a couple of reporters, I I guess I can disclose it, that are tasked with asking, will you go to the White House if the Patriots win? Uh, Or if your team wins, I'm sorry, Falcons Mm. and Patriots. So I'm sure most of them won't answer or let's say yes, but it'll be interesting to see like a Martellus Bennett or Devin McCourty, how they respond.
1: And that the Falcons have arguably the most prominent Muslim player in the National Football League right now in Mohamed Sanu. I mean, that that makes it a question.
0: Exactly. Who wore nine eleven cleats this year? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, you're, you know, we, we kind of talk about the Patriots locker room and how they feel about Brady. It's like how, you know, how do all the Falcons feel about the Muslim ban? I mean, to me, this is like, this is a million times more important than any breakdown of offensive lines or people hawking products or anything else that's going to go on this week.
1: Seriously. And there are also uh, almost certainly going to be protests in Houston. There were huge protests at Houston's airport, which for folks who don't know, is called George Bush International Airport. And it's hard to imagine there not being a spillover effect at the Super Bowl, especially because that airport's really hard to get to. And the Super Bowl is going to be located centrally in the Houston uh, metro area.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, just you know how it's juxtaposed the people just coming in for all the Super Bowl hoopla versus those that are still there I mean I don't I I I think there's you know there's definitely a semblance of a Muslim community there so I know and I think there's already been you know there's been protests in downtown Houston I mean there most certainly will be at the game itself I imagine or as close as you can get to the perimeter um
1: and then the Lady Gaga factor
0: (laughs) Yes, I know. That's that's a prop bet.
1: Uh, <laughs> will,
0: will she say Trump uh, during her um, set list?
1: Doesn't have to. I don't think Streep said Trump during her speech. I don't think she actually said his name.
0: Yeah, taking the Michelle Obama way. I yeah.
1: like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always find that to be like a, a little odd, though, in a way, because you're like, that person or the, <laughs> it's just like that right. that
0: cheeto or all, all the nicknames that mfr or whatever the, everyone has part of me
1: wants to say though it's look he's not voldemort you know it's like yeah. some, you can say his name
0: <laughs> but it is like his name i mean if in, you know some people think his name is a bad word now
1: so
0: um but yeah i, I kind of came up i think she's gonna say love trump's hate and then so i would take the over on that or the yes or whatever.
1: Oh hell yeah. And I, I said to introduce you that you're one of my favorite football writers and it has nothing to do with our obvious uh, similar political <laughs> leanings here. So I did want to ask you, um I feel like I have to. This is our Super Bowl show, uh, who you like in the big game. What are your thoughts? What do you expect to see? What do you think to be the key matchups or moments that will define Super Bowl fifty one?
0: We're actually talking football, wow.
1: Yeah. I'm
0: not prepared for
1: that. Didn't no. expect that, huh?
0: Um, yeah, yeah. Well, there's this quarterback named Tom Brady. <laughs> um, I've picked the Patriots all year. When we do all of our silly little Super Bowl predictions for SI, and then we recalibrate every four weeks to make ourselves look good, but I've consistently—I enjoy hit.
1: those, by the way. So, you do, yeah. So please don't uh, stop doing them. Or at
0: least I mean, a lot of people like them. They they get a lot of traffic. But I wonder, like, why would anyone care what all of us think about who's going to win? But I guess you're you're asking me that. So yes, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think.
1: Because it's like having friends in fun phone form.
0: Exactly. There you go. So I think the Patriots are gonna I think it's gonna be a good game. Um the the key matchup to me is the Pats offensive line against the Falcons defense, which has gotten a little better at rushing the passer, but the the offensive line is just really improved under Dante Scarnecchia, Belichick bringing him back out of retirement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot. I I mean, I think the key, key matchup is, can Kyle Shanahan scheme Bill Belichick?
1: That's very Star Wars A New Hope.
0: (laughs) Star Wars A New Hope. Um, I feel like Shanahan is probably in a, I mean, he's he's, look, he's about to, be the Forty ers head coach, so I'm sure he's going to have this master game plan and want to go out in style. And but I just, it's Bill Belichick has been out schemed in Super Bowls before, but I I don't see it here. So I think I don't know the Patriots are going to win thirty five to thirty.
1: Wow, I I think that a lot of us forget that Bill Belichick was a Pete Carroll uh, mental gasket blown. <laughs> throw from the one yard line away from this whole narrative being will will bill belichick get the monkey off of his back of not being able to win a super bowl.
0: I know. That's so true. That's 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 a very very will, good point. Will
1: Tom Brady get the monkey off his back? He hasn't done it since he was in his mid 20s. Like that's what we would be talking about.
0: Oh. Wow, that's that's that is amazing. I hadn't really thought of it from that perspective, but it's true. Who who what do you have an official pick?
1: This is so tough because for me, there's always what do I want to happen and what do I think will happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think the Falcons are. I think they have two players who've played in a Super Bowl before. I just don't think they're nearly ready for the mental frying that takes place in this game. And the Patriots are. I think the Patriots will win handily 35-21. And that makes me very sad because I really want the Falcons to win this game. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean it. It'll it'll be good for business if the Patriots win, though.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Look at it, you know, as 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 a win win, if you possibly
1: can. Yeah, lots of takes to be had. Uh, <laughs> we'll wonder if Putin will take Kraft's next Super Bowl ring as well.
0: <laughs> I know. We. I don't even know. I want to get that. That's actually going to be my goal for Super Bowl week. What What actually happened? I don't. I, I need a status update on on that Super Bowl ring. Where oh. is it?
1: Oh, that that ring right now is in uh, a Russian palace somewhere. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Melissa. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for writing truth, even when it's difficult. Thank you for doing it in the space of SI.com, which ensures it'll be read by a broad cross-section of people. And please don't stop doing what you do.
0: Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for, you know, all of your words, too. Bye, Melissa. Okay, thank you.
1: That was Melissa Jacobs. She writes for Sports Illustrated. You can follow her on Twitter, at TheFootballGirl. Now I've got some choice words called the sports world must stand with Muslim athletes. So Donald Trump's racist Muslim ban comes after a year that represented a triumph of visibility for Muslim athletes. There was Mo Farah, the British distance runner born in Somalia, who won two Olympic gold medals in Rio. There was saber-fencer Ibtihaj Mohamed, the first Muslim-American woman to wear a hijab while competing for the United States. We saw Riyad Mahrez, a Muslim of Algerian descent, become central to Leicester City's winning the club's first-ever championship in England's Premier League, and arguably the greatest sports upset of all time. We saw Atlanta Falcons wide receiver Mohamed Sanu emerge as a critical target for quarterback Matt Ryan as the team readies for the Super Bowl. Even the much-maligned NBA guard Dion Waiters—yes, he is Muslim—is splashing game-winning three-pointers for the Miami Heat. Then there were the Muslim legends of the sports world, who were heard and even celebrated throughout 2016. We had basketball legend Kareem Abdul-Jabbar flowering as a political voice, with a series of viral essays about politics in the United States and a speaking spot at the Democratic Convention. We had the great Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, removed from the NBA 20 years ago for refusing to stand for the anthem, reemerge in a series of interviews as media members saw echoes of his story in the kneeling protests of 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick. And most powerfully, there was the international appreciation of the great Muhammad Ali upon his death and the centering of his Islamic faith at his internationally televised funeral service. It was said to me in Louisville by Muslim leader Dalia Mogahed, that the mourning for Ali was so international that his Islamic funeral prayers rolled over 24 straight hours from time zone to time zone across the earth. In the December before his death, Muhammad Ali issued one last public statement called Presidential Candidates Proposing to Ban Muslim Immigration to the United States. He said, We as Muslims have to stand up to those who use Islam to advance their own personal agenda. Speaking as someone who has never been accused of political correctness, I believe that our political leaders should use their position to bring understanding about the religion of Islam. Our political leaders did not do this. Now Donald Trump, a person who last year brayed that he couldn't name any Muslim athletes, has spit in the face of all these accomplishments and said that their lives, their faith, their humanity simply don't matter. Now the great Mo Farah, who holds dual British and Somali citizenship, is banned from entering the United States, even though he has been living and training in Oregon for years. Now NBA players Luol Deng and Thon Maker, both born in South Sudan, are at risk of detention and deportation. Last December, NFL safety Issa Abdul-Kurus, Who is Muslim, said of Trump's proposed ban, I'm just hoping that either he can change his mindset to be a bit more open-minded, or people just realize we can't have that ignorance in office. He was correct about Trump's ignorance, and wrong that he would change his mindset. Now athletes are reacting to this new reality. Nazir Mohammed, a longtime NBA player, tweeted on Saturday, It's a tough day when you find out so many people that you thought were fans or friends really hate you and everything you believe in. His former teammate with the Spurs, Brent Barry, responded on Twitter, You know I love you. You are my brother. Love and compassion are necessities, not luxuries. Without them, humanity cannot survive. Brent Barry's right. Many say often, and correctly, that the majority of us did not vote for Donald Trump. That he lost the election by 2.9 million votes that he is illegitimate all of that is true but it doesn't change the very real damage that he is inflicting upon us the majority might not have elected donald trump but the majority now has the responsibility to undo this damage and resist this toxic agenda the sports world needs to see itself as a part of this resistance that means non-muslim athletes speaking out on behalf of their muslim teammates That means the International Olympic Committee and FIFA refusing to consider the United States as host for the Olympics or World Cup as long as the ban is in effect. That means laying siege to the Trump agenda of rank anti-Islamic bigotry. That means going to the local airport to protest. And what a bizarre, beautiful sentence that is to write. We have all enjoyed the triumphs of Muslim athletes in 2016. It would be absolutely amoral to not stand with them. In 2017. And now it's time for our Just Stand Up Award. This week, it goes to Pat Tillman's widow, Marie Tillman. Now, this one is really special to me because I've gotten to know the Tillman family very well over the last few years. Pat Tillman, of course, is the former NFL player, former U.S. Army Ranger who died under very bizarre, suspicious, friendly fire circumstances in Afghanistan. People should see the documentary, the Pat Tillman story, if you want to learn more about that. Now, of all the members of the family, Marie Tillman, Pat's widow, has been the most quiet In the face of the political controversy surrounding Pat's life, because she's chosen to devote her life to the Tillman Foundation, which does terrific good work and works with people across the political spectrum. But in the wake of Trump's Muslim ban, Marie Tillman spoke out. This is what she wrote. In 2002, my husband enlisted in the U.S. Army. He stood up to serve because he believed in the principles on which our country was founded and, recognizing it wasn't perfect, was passionate about what it could be. Today, I am deeply saddened by the news of the executive order banning immigration. This is not the country he dreamed of, not what he served for, and not what he died for. Since his death, I have embarked on the most meaningful work on my life, supporting the men and women who, like Pat, fight for what this country can be. As I read posts from the community of Tillman scholars on my Facebook feed, I am encouraged. They are exactly as I knew they would be, poised and ready to fight. I am proud of them and proud to stand with them. We've got this. End quote. Thank you so much for that, Marie Tillman. Your statement is not just a protest against the Trump agenda, but a statement of resistance. Also a Just Stand Up Award to everyone who's planning to demonstrate at the Super Bowl in Houston. People will tell you that sports and politics don't mix. People could not be more wrong. Now it's time for the Edge of Sports Hotline. You can always call in with your takes about the worlds of sports and politics. We'll play the calls that we like, like on the air. Uh, The number, as always, is 401-426-3343. That's 401-426-EDGE. Let's hear what we got this week.
2: Hi, Dave. This is Denise in Sacramento. Thank you so much for your piece about the inauguration and calling it out like it is. I feel like this is the emperor has no clothes era for real. I mean, the guy can't even be real about his hair much less the size of the inauguration. And the fact that his wife looked like some sort of Russian super soldier, I don't understand. This is intense. So thank you for putting it out there in the sports lane that you're usually driving. My sports world alternative fact. In SEC women's basketball, the 2017 season is shaping up to be a contest between Pat Summits, Tennessee Volunteers. And the LSU Tigers, coached by Summit, former point guard Nikki Caldwell. Rest in peace, Coach Summit. I can't believe you're gone. Thanks, Dave. Bye.
1: Mm, I want to let that one just speak for itself. That was fantastic. Thank you, Denise, so much for that call. I've, I've written about Pat Summit in the past. Her legacy and her memory aren't going anywhere. And as Denise mentioned, we did ask folks to call in and give us their alternative facts in the sports world.
2: Hey, this is Becca from Brooklyn, and my alternative fact is that college athletes get compensated for the time on the the field.
1: Oh, my man in Brooklyn, that's a, a really interesting alternative fact one, because that's exactly the sort of thing that a Trumpite would say. They would say, they do get compensated. What are you talking about? Of course they get compensated. They get room, they get bored. They get water, they get food Compensation So that's a perfect example Of what an alternative fact would be Coming from these, uh, these Golems and monsters uh, That's exactly what they would say And of course college athletes Oddly they do get a form of compensation But that only proves that they are workers And not student athletes And don't belong in a constitution free zone Where they have no labor rights They don't even get the free gear they're promised. Look at what's happening at Duke where Coach K, from his hospital room, is commanding that Duke players not have the privilege of wearing Duke gear. Man, if I was a Duke athlete, I would be like, strike to wear our sweatshirts. It's all we were promised. We have nothing to lose but our wristbands. Thank you, listeners. Please keep sending in your Sports World Alternative Facts, 401-426-3343. That's 401-426-EDGE. Thank you again to Melissa Jacobs for coming on the show. You can follow Melissa on Twitter, at TheFootballGirl. She's one of the best football follows and follows, period, out there in the Twitterverse. Thank you so much to my producer, Dan Bloom. Thank you to associate producer, David Tigabu. We are out of here. Stay frosty, everyone. Stay on the front lines. Keep protesting. Peace.